Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper for another 2022-23 post-game live tonight. As both LA teams are on their Grammy road trips, we got a Laker live and a Clipper post-game to get to tonight. And before we get started, you already know the drill. Shout out to everybody in the live right now. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Dime Dropper Pod, and TikTok as well if you have that. And, of course, make sure you follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the YouTube. And turn on that notification bell so you know every time I go live with Locked on Clippers, I get the notifications for my own self with Dime Dropper. Uh, no point in showing you that screen. But let's get right into it. I'm going to start with the Lakers and the Knicks. And then we will go to Clippers and Bulls. So for those listening on the audio, check the timestamp. If you were only here for the Clippers, you can fast forward to that. But let's get into the Lakers. Game was on national television tonight. The Lakers obviously lost the first game of that road trip in the <laughs> controversial-ass game against the Celtics on Saturday where I heard more referee complaints than I've ever heard in my entire time on Twitter, it was definitely a foul that Jason Tatum committed on LeBron. But what I don't like is when the Laker players and everyone is saying it's a must win, every game counts, and then they load manage against the Brooklyn Nets. I don't get it. But at the end of the day, the Lakers did end up with a huge win in this one tonight against the New York Knicks. And the Knicks have done pretty well this season. They're above 500. They currently sit in the 6th spot. I'm sorry, the 7th spot in the East. I predicted them to finish 10th. And I'm not going to lie, I showed up a little late to this party. I turned on the game in the second quarter, and the Lakers were up by 5 points. I heard that Russell Westbrook scored a couple of buckets in the first quarter. But what I saw right away in the second quarter was the Laker defense was looking pretty good. But they couldn't score to start that second quarter. And one thing I saw in this game was Darvin Ham didn't go with the three-guard sets. And when I say the three-guard sets, I'm including Lonnie. I know Lonnie Walker is a guard. And Max Christie, you can also say, is a guard. But I think in today's NBA, given the lineups that are out there, they can play as the three. I think they can do it, and it's passable. Especially when you have a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who is actually capable of of switching on to guys a little bit bigger than him and still being able to bother a little bit because he's very pesky and he gets right into your chest and all that good stuff. But I think Coach Ham did a better job with those lineups in this one. And I also think just having Rui Hachimura makes a big difference. He gives you a 6'8 guy you can throw out there with AD and LeBron, and we saw a lot more of that in this game, and it just makes a huge difference. And one thing I've noticed now, getting to watch Rui Hachimura for four games, I didn't watch the Nets game, so the last three games, 
He's not very comfortable against quick guards on the perimeter laterally, but even against like an elite offensive player, like let's say tonight he was guarding Julius Randle a lot. I think even just his big body, broad shoulders, all that, even if you get the step on him, he can still put a hand up and deter your shot and affect your shot. And I think he did a very solid job on Julius Randle in this game. But it was actually funny I mentioned Rui Hachimura. The Lakers were stuck on 31 for a minute in that second quarter. And he was the one that broke the drought with a three from the top of the key. He had five points in that second quarter. but I, And on the Knicks side, Jalen Brunson, so good at weaving his way into the lane and pick and roll. He's fantastic in the in-between game, truly is. And does a great job of keeping defenders on his hip, creating a little bit of space, and hitting floaters inside the lane. And LeBron James, you know, he was actually off to a slow start in this one in terms of shooting the ball. Two for eight. Was taking a lot of tough jump shots and also... Just some bad offensive possessions where he was turning the ball over and passing it to his guys at the end of the shot clock looking for assists. That's what I consider it. When you pass to somebody at the end of the shot clock when you don't got something going on, that's because you don't want to hurt your field goal percentage and you want to try and get an assist. And he did that a couple of times in the first half. But the Lakers did call a timeout. I want to say around the seven or eight minute mark of the second quarter. And when they came out of that timeout, that's when Rui Hachimura hit that three. LeBron started getting to the basket a little bit more. But that came after the Lakers actually went down eight. And there was a a portion of time in that second quarter where Darvin Ham put AD and LeBron out at the same time. And with a snap of a finger, the Lakers went down by eight points. And somebody who I thought had a great game tonight, and I know Knicks fans have been saying that he has not had a good season, but my man, Isaiah Hardenstein. It was so good to see him again on my TV screen. 16 points and 13 rebounds off the bench. No Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks tonight, so Jericho Sims started, but Jericho only got 13 minutes. Isaiah Hardenstein got 40, and he had a double-double. The only player on the Knicks that had a double-double. He was everywhere on the offensive glass, and he was plus 10 in the plus-minus. And he was making his impact felt by rolling to the basket, setting good screens, finishing around the basket as well, off of passes from Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson. And one thing I also want to say, you know, with Fabian coming on the channel so much, we've had a lot of talk about R.J. Barrett. And R.J. Barrett... He looked like a complete passenger tonight. LeBron was guarding him. Anthony Davis was being guarded. LeBron was guarding him. Julius Randle was guarding LeBron. But, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of who was guarding Brunson. It was mostly Dennis Schroeder in that starting lineup. And Rui Hachimura guarding Randle. But... R.J. Barrett, he just did not have any command or confidence like I remember him having... He was 5 for 13 in the game, 13 points, just 27 minutes. He just didn't look like a guy that's averaging 20 points a game. But overall, first half, when LeBron and AD came back into that game, and one thing I want to say, Lonnie Walker just came back, and I do like what Lonnie Walker brings to the table. But there were a couple times in this game, in that first half especially, he didn't get as many minutes in the second half. I don't even know if he played in the second half. He only played 13 minutes in the game. But he was taking every single half-open three he got. And there were times in that first half where the Lakers just kept taking threes, kept taking threes. And it's like, look. And within one or two passes, 
It's like you guys are a terrible three-point shooting team. Stop taking the first three that you see. Although then, you know, there's an argument that they're not getting enough threes up. I just think a a good two is better than – or honestly, for this team, an average two for AD and LeBron is better than a not great three. But LeBron and AD restored some order when they came in, and Dennis Schroeder hit a mid-range and a half-court heave to end the first half, and he turned around when he was shooting it. I don't think he even thought it was going in. Anthony Davis, though, I will say at halftime, he only had six shot attempts. Needs much more than that. And in the second half, the Laker offense started looking better. But so did the Knicks. And it was kind of a back and forth. There was a period of time in that third quarter where the lead just kept changing hands. Jalen Brunson had the same bucket on Dennis Schroeder twice in a row at one point of the third quarter where he went away from the screen and the Lakers were trying to ice him to the baseline and he just stepped back and created a little bit of space for a little step back mid-range. And, you know, Jalen Brunson, I think he's got a really high basketball IQ. Spent a couple of years at Villanova. I mentioned that if you go back to my playoff post games last year with Dallas. And he's great in the in-between game. Is he an all-star? Not for me. He's a great role player. He's having an all you can argue he's having an all-star caliber season and like just looking at the numbers you can make a case for him but I think that Julius Randle will be the Knicks representative in the all-star game this year but in this game Jalen Brunson was the better player Julius Randle had 23 points actually you know I'm stupid for saying that Isaiah Hartenstein was the only player that got a double-double Julius Randle also got a double-double 23 points 12 rebounds 5 assists Those five assists, though, did come with four turnovers, and he shot really poorly from the field, six for 19. And I think Rui Hachimura was the primary defender a lot more than anyone else for him. So you got to give Rui credit there. He's not known as a defender or anything like that, but I do think against guys with that kind of frame, his size can be a solid matchup. So the Lakers just going out and getting Hachimura for Kendrick Buns, I mean... What a trade. What a steal that was. I was high on it from the beginning. You can check the receipts. I'm a big Rui guy. I really am. And right now, he's paying absolute dividends for the Lakers. He was awesome in this game. And in that third quarter, he still was able to hit a couple of shots. I'm talking about the defense and all that. He was still knocking down shots, hit a corner three. And main the main thing that really changed to me for the Lakers with the terms of their offense, LeBron James. LeBron James finally started making some shots. Came off a screen for a three. It was his first three of the game. He hit in that third quarter. Hit a face-up mid-range. No dribbles over Julius Randle. And Anthony Davis, after hitting an and one turnaround over the right shoulder, put the Lakers up by five. Rui Hachimura, as I said, was looking good. And I think the biggest shock of this game for me, Russell Westbrook on the defensive end. He was playing with a little added fire tonight. I don't know if it's because it was MSG, but there were two times where Julius Randle tried to post up on him, and Russ straight up took the ball from him. One of them, he may have gotten away with a little bit of a grab, but I love the talking shit to everybody after he did it. It was a different kind of Russ. He was really trying to fight over some screens tonight, and even though it did come with a little bit of some shaky offensive possessions in the first half, Russell Westbrook was the man tonight, and I haven't even gotten to the crux of it. But he really, I was impressed with the defense. I thought that totally changes his value to this team. I just don't understand why he can't play with that kind of fire and pride defensively on a nightly basis. It would really mitigate a lot of the problems that Russell Westbrook is, you know, putting on the Lakers this season, even when he has come off the bench. 
And at the end of the quarter, Russ created a nice three for Troy Brown. The Lakers had a three-point lead going into the fourth. And oh boy, the fourth was pretty exciting. Um, LeBron started out diming. And by the way, congratulations to LeBron. What an incredible statistical achievement that he is on the verge of not only being the all-time leading scorer, a record that I never thought would be broken. And trust me, as a former LeBron fan, as a guy that says I have a PhD in Bron, who's watched more LeBron James than any player in my entire life, I will have probably my own separate episode just on that. Because, man, I got a whole lot to say. But to have the, be the only player to not only be top five in scoring, but top five in assists as well, Passing the great Steve Nash and the great Mark Jackson tonight. What an accomplishment. Fourth all-time in assists, only behind John Stockton, Jason Kidd, and CP3. The only non-point guard to do it. And yes, you can say LeBron is a point forward, this and that. But man, oh man. He really is going to be go he's going to go down as a small forward. He has played that position more often than not. He's playing at small forward right now for the Lakers. Dennis Schroeder is the starting point guard even though you can argue LeBron handles the ball more and and yes he does, but he's a point forward to me LeBron James, not a point guard. He's a point forward and man, he has balanced the scoring and passing like no other player probably that's ever played. I think Oscar Robertson is the only player to me that is on that level where you don't even know What's his best attribute, scoring or passing? With LeBron, I lean scoring because he's had more 25-plus point-per-game seasons than 10-plus assists, even though I'm not a big, you know me, guys, I am not an assist or the indicator of how good of a passer you are. I think assists, high assists show that you can pass, but it doesn't differentiate who's a better passer just based on raw assists. However, LeBron James, it's just an incredible statistical achievement, one of a kind, a testament to his longevity and greatness for such a long time. And in that fourth quarter, he was showing a little bit of why. Some beautiful passes, a nice pocket bounce pass to Thomas Bryant, who threw down an emphatic flush over Isaiah. Oh, man, oh, man, it was nice. And that came after a nice layup he had, too. And who did that layup come from? Troy Brown Jr., who I thought had a really good fourth quarter. Hit an open, Not actually, it wasn't even an open left corner three. The, the assist that tied Steve Nash, or Mark Jackson, one of them, LeBron waited till the end of the shot clock, threw it to Troy Brown with like two left, put him in such a tough situation, and he still hit it, even though Emmanuel quickly sagged off just a tad. It was the shot the defense wanted, and he still made it, and then off a Russell Westbrook pass, a great cut by Troy Brown, hit him with a little pump fake, took the contact, had an and one, so six points and an assist in the first half of the quarter for Troy Brown. But he wasn't the only person that was aggressive. Julius Randle came out aggressive in that fourth quarter as well, hitting a couple mid-ranges, one over Russ, one over LeBron, getting to the post, and there were a couple times where Russ just couldn't handle him in that post. He was confident trying to switch on him because he got a couple of steals, but it started to wear on him a little bit. And what was interesting about the fourth quarter was both teams, they started a combined 15 for 16 in the fourth. So it was a lot of scoring and a lot of shot making to start the fourth. And Jalen Brunson restored order to a degree, getting to the foul line. And Russell Westbrook put the Lakers up by seven with an open three. I still think Russ should not be taking threes. In this game, he shot four and made the one I just referenced. So again, I rest my case. I'm not a Laker fan, so it's not my problem. But it must get frustrating, no doubt. And I thought that seemed like the Lakers were going to run away with it. There was a possession 
late in that fourth quarter that was absolutely absurd. The Knicks missed four straight threes. And mind you, they shot four straight threes. Like, just just unnecessary fiending of the three ball in today's league. Sickening to me sometimes. Both games that I'm going to talk about tonight. It was just, at times, stretches of these games just look like a glorified pickup game three-point shootout. It's really gross. It just looks like anybody can go out there and, and hit a couple of shots. <laughs> like, it's insane, man. But four straight missed threes by the Knicks. And Isaiah Hardenstein got like two Tyson Chandler rebounds, tipped it out to half court. And the Lakers were fortunate that none of them went in. LeBron ultimately got the rebound that ended that possession and made a free throw at the line. But i got to give Isaiah Hardenstein credit, man. He was really hooping. And when the score was 111 to 108, LeBron hit a big three where Julius Randle was so convinced that LeBron was going to turn the corner and drive that his ass was bent over, taking feet towards the key. And LeBron just was like, all right, I'm just going to stop and pop, knock down a three, put the Lakers up six. And the way they were reacting, you felt like that was the dagger. But six points with a minute 40 left in today's game is absolutely nothing. And Jalen Brunson, quick bucket. LeBron, brick, stagnant possession. Rui Hachimura gets the rebound. The ball slips out of his hands, goes out of bounds. Isaiah Hartenstein, offensive rebound on a Jalen Brunson miss, gets it to Jalen Brunson, who's trapped on the baseline, and he finds Quinton Grimes for a bucket under the rim. And then another LeBron miss, and Jalen Brunson scores again. And with a snap of a finger, the game was tied at 114. And the one thing I'm wondering here, with 24 seconds left in the game and the Lakers with the ball, Anthony Davis needs to get the ball here. There are too many times now. Like, look, I said in the beginning of the season, AD is the Lakers' best player. But LeBron recently is starting to make a case that, you know what, I'm still him. I'm still that dude. I'm still LeBron. I still got that confidence. I'm still a top 10, you know, I'm one of the greatest players ever. People think I'm the GOAT. AD is not touching that conversation. And even at my age, I'm still that dude. Check the stats. He's on that kind of time right now. And he's that, he's LeBron James. So right now, he has the aura of I'm the best player. Anthony Davis needs to be a little bit more, dis- just give me the fucking ball at the end of a game. You know, go get it. Go get it. And that's partially on the coaching staff as well. He should not be going that long without touching the ball. And it's also on LeBron a little bit. Get him the ball. I thought that, honestly, they should have just gone with a straight wing isolation for Anthony Davis to get to win the game. But what they did was high pick and roll with AD slipping the screen. LeBron threw a great pocket pass, and credit to that man yet again, Jalen Brunson, stepping in with a perfectly timed charge taken. Unbelievable. AD, you know, if you want to be a critic, he should have passed it to Troy Brown very quickly. But you know how hard that read is to make in live time, that adrenaline, crowd loud. The rotation was so well-timed. You got to credit Jalen Brunson. But thankfully, Anthony Davis is so fantastic defensively. He was switching on to just about everyone, But he also is in drop coverage as well so much. But he was switching to just about everyone, and nobody can take him one-on-one. It's pretty remarkable. He is absolutely one of the best defenders in the league, and he really just changes the Lakers single-handedly. He makes such a different—he makes them a totally different team. And it's just funny looking at this game. The Knicks have a better record than the Lakers, and you can't say that the East is whack anymore. The East is better than the West, in my opinion. But the Lakers are definitely better than Knicks. They're definitely better because in the playoffs, you don't want to see the Lakers. The Knicks, not a big deal. You know, if I'm let's say the Clippers, we were playing in a non-conference type of tournament, like the best 16 teams make it. 
absolutely, I would much rather play the Knicks than the Lakers. Their best players, Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson. We're dealing with AD and LeBron here. Totally different level. And in the overtime session, I thought that the Lakers would be demoralized because they had a six-point lead. It's the story again like we saw in Boston. But Russell Westbrook, who would have thought? Took over the game. Playmaking extraordinaire. The first play, lob pass over the top to LeBron for a layup. LeBron also had it in the last lap with the, with the bucket at the end. But Russ, a couple of really nice pick and rolls with Anthony Davis, creating good shots. And then the dagger was a bank shot from the left side of the court, which has produced many a meme over the last year and a half. But he knocked it down. And the Lakers get a gutsy, one of their best wins of the season, winning the overtime session 15-9 to and outscoring the Knicks to win 129-123 to in the world's most famous arena in OT in the second game of, I'm sorry, I should say the second OT game of their Grammy road trip. They are now 1-2 and two on the road trip. Let's take a look at the lines. The Lakers are now 24-28, and 28, by the way, on the season. The Knicks dropped to 27-25. and 25. Let's read the stat lines for the Knickerbockers today. Emmanuel, actually, no, I'm going to start with Deuce McBride. He played 9 minutes. He was 0-for-1, had a donut. How about Obi Toppin? Only played 10 minutes. So I've he been hearing that Obi Toppin has not been playing much lately. It's kind of concerning. He's only in his third season. And the fact of the matter is, 10 minutes is nothing. He did hit a three in the right corner. I believe that came in the fourth. He's only averaging 15 minutes a game this season. Yeah, eighth pick in the draft in 2020. It's tough to see. Two bench players for the Knicks got 39-plus minutes. That, those were Emmanuel Quickly and Isaiah Hartenstein. Jericho Sims, only 13 minutes, didn't even get a shot up, had a donut, and was minus 16. R.J. Barrett. Got less minutes than Emmanuel Quickly, Isaiah Hartenstein, and Quentin Grimes. R.J. Barrett, 13 points on 5 for 13 shooting and 0 for 3 from deep. Emmanuel Quickly, I thought, was good. You know, when he, whenever he comes off a screen, you cannot be dropped too deep. He will pull from 30. And he's, he has a fantastic floater game. He had 19 points and 8 assists. Only one turnover as well on 6 for 12 shooting, 2 for 6 from deep, and 5 for 6 from the line. So, very efficient night for Emmanuel quickly. And then Isaiah Hardenstein already mentioned, 16 points, 13 boards, seven of those offensive rebounds on seven for 10 shooting in 40 minutes. He even hit one of his patented one-handed push shots, but it was to beat the clock. It was like a turnaround one in the second half. It was ridiculous. Quinton Grimes, 40 minutes played, really solid game. 12 points, four boards, three assists, two steals on six for 12 shooting, but he was 0 for 5 from deep, and the Knicks as a team shot 7 for 34 from deep, a putrid 20.6%. And the Lakers shot a little better, but not that much better, 11 for 33 for them. So you can do the math there, 33%. Jalen Brunson, 37 points, six dimes. 13 for 29 shooting, 2 for 7 from deep, and 9 for 9 from the line. I thought Julius Randle, he got a little greedy. 23 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 turnovers, 6 for 19 shooting. I don't know why he shoots so many threes. That one season in 2021 that he shot so well from three was a complete outlier. 2 for 9 from deep, 9 for 11 from the line. As for the Lakers, let's take a look at their stat line. As We're, we're going to end this on 24 minutes just for... 20, eh, I blew that one. Max Christie played 13 minutes, and I felt bad for the kid. He was struggling with fouls. 
just getting used to, you know, playing against NBA players and the savviness they have in drawing fouls and obviously the ticky-tack nature of some of the calls. He had six points, two for three from the field. All his shots were threes in 13 minutes, five fouls. Lonnie Walker, two points, one for six from the field and 0 for four from deep. He wasn't great in 13 minutes of play. Thomas Bryant only played 16 minutes, but he was good. You know, nine points, three for three from the field. However, the defense just going from AD to Thomas Bryant is such a drop-off. It honestly just makes Thomas Bryant look so much worse. And then Troy Brown. He played 34 minutes tonight. Nine points, five boards, three assists. Thought he actually was good because six of those points came in the second in the fourth quarter. Three for eight from the field, two for six from deep. Dennis Schroeder. I honestly really like the way Dennis is playing. He plays hard. He picks up 94 feet. And he just makes little winning plays. 12 points, 6 assists, only 1 turnover. 4 for 7 from the field. 2 for 3 from deep. Very efficient. Took care of the ball. Played good defense. Can't ask for more. A plus 20 when he was on the court. And then Rui Hachimura. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 8 for 12 from the field, had a couple of baskets just getting out in transition and being found by two of the best best passers of this generation and Russell Westbrook and LeBron. What a fit he has proven to be, and he looks like he's having fun out there. 19 and 9, 8 for 12 shooting, 2 for 4 from deep, he's just been awesome. And Russell Westbrook, 17 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals, for me, my player of the game tonight, ah, that's, that's pushing it, honestly. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals on 7 for 13 shooting. So very efficient, but he was 1 for 4 from deep and 2 for 5 from the line. So not very, very efficient in those categories. But LeBron James, 28 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. He is now the oldest player to ever record a triple-double in the NBA. 11 for 25 shooting, so not the best shooting night for him at 44%. Only 25% from three on two for eight and four for seven from the line. So not the best shooting night for him, but he made the big plays when they counted, and that's all that matters. But my player of the game, looking at the entire scope of things, Anthony Davis, because of what he brings on the defensive end. And you still want to see him take more shots than 16. There's no reason why LeBron should be shooting nine more shots than him at his age. He also played six more minutes, though, I will say, LeBron. 43 minutes played, which is a lot. 37 for AD. AD at 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 steals. Didn't get a block tonight. 5 turnovers for LeBron and AD. So that's something they, they got to clean up. Each have 5 turnovers. 9 for 16 from the field for him, but a huge win for the Lakers. Laker fans, tell me how you're feeling in the comments. But now we're going to move on. 26 minutes spent on that recap. We're going to go to the Clippers and the Bulls. It was a big game for the Clips. We don't want to even talk about the Cleveland game. Because we're just going to act like that didn't count. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back in the lineup. Can they continue their winning streak and make it six straight? You bet they could. It was not an easy game. And I didn't expect it to be an easy game. The starting lineup that I predicted on Locked On Clippers was the one that we, what both teams went with. And in the beginning, it was exactly what I predicted. Terrence Mann guarding Zach Levine. Paul George guarding DeMar DeRozan. And I thought both of those guys did a good job on them throughout the game, especially in the first quarter. It was Nikola Vucevic in that pick and pop that was hurting us. Two straight threes. And for a team that Brian Seaman only said averages 10 made threes a game, they had eight threes in the second quarter. 
They were 8 for 15 from deep at halftime, and at one point they were 8 for 13 from deep. Alex Caruso came in and was just hitting corner threes like he was fucking P.J. Tucker, and it was getting me so annoyed. And the Clippers were just ice cold, creating typical good looks, couldn't hit anything. And Luke Kennard, you know, I hope, I didn't see anybody going at him on Twitter tonight, thankfully, but he's just come back from his injury, and he's really in his head right now. And I'm not saying in his head in terms of hesitating to take shots. He was taking shots, but Luke Kennard, he usually misses in only a couple of ways. Either it's dead on line and he misses a little bit long, or it's like in and out, or just bounces off. Tonight, he had some either really long or really short misses, which tells me he's thinking a lot about his shot. And he'll get his confidence back. He just needs to see something go in. Tonight, he saw nothing go in. He was 0 for 6, 0 for 5 from deep. I felt bad for the guy, but do not lose faith. People need to understand what rhythm is for a shooter and what confidence looks like on a basketball court, and what lack of confidence looks like on a basketball court. But the Clippers were down 12 after 1, even though it was not the DeRozan or Levine show, 32-20. to 20. Somewhat slow start from Kawhi and Paul as well. Kawhi was being guarded by Patrick Williams, which I called on Locked On, and Paul George by Ayo DeSumo. And I want, I want to say this. I got to look up how tall that motherfucker is, because... He's listed, okay, he's at 6'4". How long is this guy's wingspan? Because this motherfucker looked like so much taller than what he was listed at. I said on Locked On, that's a 5-inch size advantage for PG. But Desumu, he really held his own. And I knew he was a good defender. But his sheer size really jumped off the page watching him back again. And by the way, I am a big Chicago Bulls sympathizer for anyone that doesn't know. Because my mom went to school in Chicago. And I've just always had a lot of love for them, especially like when I was a kid. I used to love the Ben Gordon, Lou Aldang, Kirk Heinrich, Andres Nocioni, Joakim Noah Bulls teams. And then when Derrick Rose started getting like dick rided, I stopped fucking with them because I just hate what everybody dick rides. Hence the reason why I'm a Clipper fan, which also reminds me time to change the scenery a little bit. Right. For those that are watching on YouTube. Back home. But. I'm a big Bulls sympathizer. And I was really happy to see Lonzo Ball on the bench tonight. Not in uniform, obviously, but just to see him out there on the bench. I don't know if he's been on the bench this uh, entire season or not, but I'm happy to see them there. Clippers in the second quarter, they still could not buy a shot. They kept on missing threes, and the Bulls went up 46-27. to They were taking advantage of the long misses and getting out in transition. And when Zubats was out of the game, they were attacking the paint. And getting what they wanted. The small ball did not look great tonight. But the small ball needs to make shots so they can set up their defense. When teams are in transition, I mean, and you don't have Kawhi or Zoo out there, it's tough. Norman Powell, though, was the biggest reason coming off that timeout why the Clippers bounced back. And I haven't seen the Clippers erase a 19-point, like, like a 15-plus point lead like that so fast in a while. They came off the timeout, ran that basic curl play where Norm goes from left to right off a Zubat screen. Norm dumped it off to Zoo because they had, I think, Reggie in one corner and Paul in another. So you got to pick your poison there. Zoo got a dunk, and then Norm just went off. And I'm going to say this. It's kind of wild that in the year 2023, Norman Powell gets a better whistle than Paul George, LeBron James, and Steph Curry. It's wild. Norman Powell gets an insane whistle. He's a foul-baiting extraordinaire. He just feels the hand check, and he just swipes through and throws shit up there, and he gets it every time. It's insane. It's a, it's a real skill for sure, but it's like, man. 15 points in the second quarter for Norm. 20 points in the first half. He literally, he literally saved us. Getting to the basket, knocking down the open three, getting to the line. 
And Paul George in this run also hit a three as well. And just like that, Clippers tied the game at 50, went into the second half down 54 to 58. And the third quarter, slow start for both teams. But Terrence Mann hit a big three to tie the game after he had missed two and then got to the line to give the Clippers the 63-61 lead. And I thought the Clippers in that second half did such a great job of creating turnovers for the Bulls. A lot of active hands. And DeMar DeRozan got his pocket picked multiple times tonight. And by Kawhi and Paul George mainly. And you love to see that. Our stars just being a little better than your stars. And of course with Kawhi and DeRozan, there's a little bit of that history being traded for one another. Kawhi is just way better. <laughs> way better. It's so much of, of it is confidence too. They're both amazing mid-range players. I think Kawhi's got a better, I mean, let's not even talk about defense, but just offensively. I think they're both about equivalent passers, I'd say. I think Kawhi's just got the swagger, man. He's got the confidence, and he's obviously the three ball as well, and he's got a better handle. But I think DeRozan has a great handle too. DeRozan's definitely more bouncy, but Kawhi Leonard has just got that confidence, and it's just it's crazy what confidence can do. And then obviously all the defensive stuff. I'm not even comparing them as players, but Kawhi and Terrence Mann caused a couple of steals, a couple of blocks, and Kawhi started a hoop, you know, pull up for mid-range, got on the break on uh, in transition and fed off a Paul George pass. But you know who else started to go off? Zach Levine. And one thing I cannot stand about Zach Levine since DeRozan arrived, he defers so much. It's insane. Zach Levine has got a splash jump shot, jump shot. You know, before all the injuries started rolling in, one of the most athletic, bouncy players I've ever seen in my life i mean he gave us two dunk contests that were fantastic one for the ages that's in contention for best dunk contest ever and in terms of degree of difficulty on the dunks absolutely was and he's just become such an amazing scorer and if you go back to my 2021 post game recaps when zach played the clippers he was playing with a different sort of confidence this minutes that go by and doesn't even shoot the ball and just lets DeRozan work is insane to me and it's happened for now a year and a half and I know that Zach Levine has had so many injury issues I get it but I'm just we just know who DeRozan is we know his ceiling Zach Levine is like 27 years old and he was starting to go off hit a three got in the lane got an one put the bulls up seven but i will say this and this honestly was part of the reason why the clippers won this game the ending to the third quarter was fantastic zubats with a jump hook i still think we should give the ball to zoo three to four times a game in the post but they want to do it once or twice and he shoots fucking great efficiency but no fuck zoo i don't want to do that i want to dance on the perimeter and watch reggie jackson take contested pull-ups left and right whatever anyway also, a nice putback off Kawhi Leonard being doubled. And then what really happened was Norman Powell with five straight points to end the quarter. A big pull-up three coming off a screen. And then an interception where Nico did a great job on Zach Levine on the baseline. Norman Powell jumped in the passing lane, went all the way for a layup. And the funny part is the Clippers created a turnover right after that. Kawhi with a steal, creating turnovers left and right. And I told my dad as I was watching the game, I said, they got 18 turnovers right now in the fourth. They're going to end at 20. And it's very hard to win basketball games when you turn the ball over 20 times against a team as good as the Clippers. And right now, the Clippers are playing like a good team. And the best out of all, despite the fact that the Clippers were absolutely broken this game, they finished the game shooting 40% and 27% from three. And might I add, they were overdoing it like crazy 44 three-point attempts. The Clippers are usually really good about not overdoing the threes. And I know a lot of them are good looks, but a lot were just, 
We're not hitting, so let's get something else. We have two mid-range snipers. And Paul George, I just think, for being as good as he is in the mid-range and the mid-post, he just doesn't nearly go to it enough. And that's a huge flaw in him, in my opinion. Huge. And prevents him from being an even better, more consistent player. But one thing I got to give the boys credit for, free throws. 22 for 26 for the Clips. And they had 11 offensive rebounds to the Bulls, 6 even though the Clippers still lost the rebounding battle by seven, it was the eight turnovers to 20 in favor of the Clippers being at eight that made the difference in this game. The Chicago Bulls lost this game. The Clippers didn't even play that well to me. We missed a ton of shots. We overdid the threes. Nico was two for nine from deep. Rocco didn't even play in the second half because Tyloo didn't like what he saw from him in the first, which I, I'm a little nervous about. Because I know he had one bad eight-minute stint, but it wasn't even like he was hor- horrible. He was one for three from deep. He had five points on two for four shooting. He was minus seven. Okay, that was the. Wor- it wasn't even the worst of anyone on our team. Kennard was minus eleven, but he only played seventeen minutes. So, you can say that's, um, you know, reflected in that. But Kawhi Leonard was eleven for twenty-four. Paul George was seven for sixteen. So they both shot under fifty percent. But it was the turnovers, ultimately. And you got to give the Clippers defense credit. They caused a lot of those turnovers. So, fourth quarter. Norman Powell, huge drive and kick on the break to Kawhi Leonard, who came right off the bench and had a four-point play. He came right off the bench and had a four-point play. You know how nice you got to be to do that? And then what really was peculiar, when Kawhi came back in the game, he came in for Zoo. I thought he was going to come in for Paul George because remember in the Atlanta game, we saw that it's been a couple of games where Kawhi has come in for PG to have just a little rest from like the eight-minute mark to the four-minute mark, and then he comes in and closes the game. But it was Zoo that came out, and again, Ty Lue loving Reggie out there. He explained after the game that he kept Reggie out there because he wanted someone else to initiate the Clippers getting into their sets, not Paul George because he was you know dribbling a lot and... Io DeSumo was picking him up full court. But my question is, if we just want somebody to distribute the ball and get the Clippers into their sets, and those sets are not going to be Reggie Jackson high pick and roll. It's going to be to try to get a shot for Kawhi and Paul. Can Norman Powell not make those passes, or can Terrence Mann not make those passes and reads? Because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I get you want them off the ball to end the game to get them in like mid-post situations and coming off screens and stuff like that. But Reggie Jackson legitimately was hot, going Reggie High Jackson again, hijacking the offense, and taking. He took two horrible contested jumpers, and you know DeRozan was getting going on the other end. Scored five straight points, a dunk in transition. He got fouled. He had a mid range, and it, they, the Bulls cut it to a one point game, one hundred one to one hundred. And I was getting very nervous. Thankfully, Ty Lue called a really good timeout. But I was thinking he was going to make a change and put either Terrence or Zoo in the game. And he didn't. He kept Reggie and Norman out there. And you just knew that they were going to try to attack Reggie on defense. And a couple of times, we got really lucky. Like, there was one time DeRozan pulled up for a mid-range over Batum that would have given the Bulls the lead, and he missed. But man, oh man, a huge shot was made by Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi had a good fourth quarter. He had that one cut to the basket, too, where Paul George was dribbling. And they were just, you know, I think it was... Either Patrick Williams or Desumu, who just looked at PG, and then Kawhi dove baseline, and it was a beautiful pass by PG and a dunk for Kawhi. But the biggest shot of the game for me was the Kawhi pull up three over Vucevic to make it 104 to 100. It was absolutely massive. And another play that was massive 
Reggie Jackson pulling the chair on DeMar DeRozan late. He got him on the switch. I was really, really nervous. He pulled the chair. DeMar DeRozan wanted a foul, but it really wasn't a foul. I think he just pulled the chair, and that's just how it went. And, oof. I also have to mention, it was 104 to 102 Norman with a minute left, and Norman Powell fouled Zach Levine for a three, and Zach Levine missed two free throws. And that was coming after DeMar DeRozan missed a free throw three minutes earlier. So the two best players in the team missing three free throws in the last five minutes of the game. That is absolutely costly. And even though Nico Batum was off in the game, he did make a big three in the fourth, I'm not going to lie. That three put the Clippers up 99 to 91. So it was at the 638 mark. So it wasn't that late. It felt later in the game when he did it. But I'm trying to think how the. Oh, yeah. So Alex Caruso, when after the Reggie pulled the chair thing, Alex Caruso fouled Norman Powell when the Clippers broke a press. And Norman Powell hit two huge free throws. He's been a little shaky at times with free throws since he's been a Clipper. And he made both. you got to give him credit for stepping up and being clutch. Put the Clippers up by three. And the Chicago Bulls didn't even get another shot Another shot off. The Clippers went with a lineup that I want to see play in actual minutes. The all-wing lineup. Terrence Mann, Rocco, Kawhi, Paul, and Nico. They could switch every action. So Zach Levine was the play was for Zach Levine to come up a couple of down screens and curl up to the top of the key for a three. And the Clippers switched everything. Nico was right on him. He didn't. They didn't know who to pass to. They threw the ball. And Levine and DeRozan both went for it. And once I saw Kawhi's hands in the mix, I know who was. I knew who was coming up with that one. Kawhi Leonard. Huge steal. Five steals for the claw. He is playing as well as anyone in the fucking league right now. And the Clippers are, I want to say, 19-9. and Yes, 19-9 and when Kawhi Leonard plays. I can't wait to see the update on his last 10-game stats because, ooh-wee, they are going to be looking good. I actually, I think they may have been registered. Probably not, honestly. I, I'm not, I don't think they've been registered. So we'll go to that next episode. But let's read the lines for this one as we approach the 42-minute mark of the recap. Wow. For the Bulls, Derek Jones Jr., a guy that we were very comfortable with shooting the ball, only shot two times. He shot one three where I was just like, no way in the second half. And he didn't even hit rim. He had a donut. Andre Drummond came in for four minutes, and he actually gave them decent minutes in the pick and roll. He had two points and five rebounds. Goran Dragic came in for six minutes, and I don't remember a single contribution he made. He was minus 12 in six minutes. That's pretty hard to do. <laughs> Kobe White also played, and I'm guessing that's why Dragic doesn't play as much. He played 18 minutes, had eight points and four rebounds on three for eight shooting, and was 50% from three, so pretty good. Two for four from three from Kobe White. The Caruso, doing his Caruso thing. 23 minutes played, a little bit of everything. 10 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. An NBA champion for a reason. The only Chicago Bulls bench player to be in the plus and the plus minus. He was plus 5. As for the starters, they all played 27 plus minutes. Io DeSumo, the sophomore, 11 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. Did a really solid job on PG, I might add. 4 for 7 from the field. Patrick Williams. 11.6 rebounds. For how high of a pick he was, I am not seeing enough improvement personally. Four for eight from the field for him. 
One for three from deep. He's shooting 40%, they said, from three this season. But I don't know. It just feels like I'm still comfortable with him shooting open shots. And then their big three. Nikola Vucevic actually maybe had the best game of them all. 23 points and 14 boards. To go along with four assists and two steals as well. And no turnovers. He was plus 10, which was the highest of any bull. 10 for 15 from the field, so 66%. And three for six from deep. But the big fella did not get to the line in his 39 minutes, which is pretty crazy. And then the duo, Zach Levine. 18 points, 14 rebounds, and I want to say that was the quietest 14-rebound game I've ever seen anyone get. A lot of long rebounds and missed threes and uncontested boards, not to take away from him or anything. Eight assists, six turnovers. That's a lot. Way too much. Six for 14 from the field and three for five from deep and ultimately three for five from the line. Zach Levine, to me, if I'm keeping it 100, is the reason this team is being held back in my eyes. He's not taking enough of, I'm the alpha guy, this is my team. He's just letting DeRozan be the man, and he's like a sidekick. I hate it. And as long as that goes on, like, you can say injury problems or not, but the guy looks pretty decent to me out there. DeRozan, 20 points, 5 assists. Credit to Terrence Mann and the entire team for doing such a great job. Kawhi Leonard as well. 8 for 19 for DeMar. Paul George, I should say. I'm sorry, not Terrence Mann. But both Terrence Mann and Paul and Kawhi and Nico, everyone, they did a good job. 8 for 19 from the field for DeMar. 0 for 2 from deep, 4 for 6 from the line, 5 assists, 8 turnovers. So between DeRozan and Levine, they had 14 out of the 20 turnovers. That's never going to win you a game against a team like the Clippers, who have now won 6 in a row. 6 in a row. 6 in a row. I don't even count the Cleveland game. We won six in a row with Kawhi and Paul. We are coming. It's just a matter of staying healthy. As I said, no back-to-backs in February. I knew this could happen. I've been saying all season I'm not giving up on this team as long as we stop playing small lineups. But the reason why I was scared and in panic mode for a second is because I was just hoping they would be able to stay healthy and Ty would move off the three-guard lineups. And it's happening now, and I'm so happy about it. And what's amazing is this West is so mid, it's saving us. You know what's funny is I posted a on-this-day-in-Clipper-history type of thing. And the... It was 2016. The Clippers beat the Bulls on this day, seven years ago. And the record the Clippers had, even when Blake Griffin was out, and that was not one of our stronger regular seasons with Lob City, was like 32-16. and 16. The Clippers right now are 29-25. and 25. Only four games over 500, but they're catching stride at the right time. And as long, it's not, as I always say, I don't look at the standings like that until after the All-Star break. But the Clippers can keep racking up wins. Sacramento will start losing games because New Orleans went from third place and then fourth place. They are now in 10th place. So Zion better hurry up and Brandon Ingram better start getting back to what he was because it's starting to look a little scary down under. Not down under, I'm sorry, in the Big Easy down south. But that's it for me tonight, guys. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Now I'm going to go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat.